Why are we so hungry to be validated by, by strangers? Why are we so hungry to be validated by people that don't care about us? Welcome to the Lucas Scrobot Show, where we uncover purpose, relentlessly pursue truth, and own the future. I'm your host, Lucas Scrobot, and today we are joined by the infamous, the one and only founder of Revolt Mag, the host and founder, I believe, of Leish Hip Hop, the host of the Buckle Up podcast, one of the hottest podcasts in the Middle East, not just in Dubai, just in the Middle East, period. And of course, if you haven't figured out who I'm talking about yet, the host of Pulse 95 FM, Big Haas. What is going on? Wow. <laughs> Woody's here. Assalamu alaikum, everybody. <laughs> Peace and love. Lucas, thank you for a beautiful introduction, man. And uh, for me, this is a huge honor to be here, man. I'm a big fan of your work. And, um, you know, let's go. I love, I love podcasts. I love talking. I love, you know, uh, being asked different questions. So big up to you and your listeners, man. And thank you so much for actually taking the time uh, to actually, you know, um, get to know me a little bit. So that's that's really an honor, brother. Well, I'm, I'm glad that you, you know, I feel like you're the one that's honoring me here. I mean, you are such a, a staple name. And um, I'm going to... I'm going to wax eloquence on you for a little bit. I'm going to tell, I want to share my story of the first time that I met you. And then um, I actually, uh, you know, I have been hearing some gossip about you, back channel gossip, people talking behind your back. And we're going to bring that up first. So first, when I met you, it was actually at the, uh, the Middle East podcast forum. I thought you had no idea who I was and you came up to me. I'm like, you know, a little fangirling. I'm like, oh my gosh, it's Big Haas. Like, he's amazing. And you're like, bro, I love your work. And I'm like, what do you mean you love my work? You haven't, you don't know me. He's like, yeah, I've seen your stuff. And and that, that to me was so, I was like, wow, there is something about this guy. And then I watched you throughout the entire forum and you just pulled people together in such amazing ways. You, you, you just made community happen. You brought all these strangers just wow. together. And, you know, really... I looked at you and I'm like, oh my goodness, this guy is a father. This guy is a father to this entire culture, this in, the entire generation. And so, but but here's the thing. Here's the thing. I know you're mm. like, wow, that's really nice. And you know what? Like you said, we don't know each other very well. So that's yeah. just kind of like nice flattery words. But um, I, 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 I was messaging with someone today and they found out that I was talking with you and uh, they sent me this message. Here it is. Go. He's been such a like such a, a rock to all of us. Most people who got their start in the region, especially in Dubai, probably got it because of Big House. Um, he will reach out. He will put in that work to make sure that you are appreciated and you're supported, no matter how um, early on in your career you are. Like he's he's massive, like guru of culture. Guru like, of culture. I, I'm like, I, I love the guy. I love him personally and professionally. The guy is incredible. Can't say enough about him, honestly. And, I, and I'm, I'm, wow. I'm telling you, it's not just me. Like ask anyone who started in the, the last four years, three years in the region, even before, because I wasn't uh, aware of the scene back then. He started uh, the first hip hop station in Saudi Arabia, which is huge. Saudi Arabia isn't a hip hop like, um, I mean, in, if you've lived in Saudi, I've lived in the Saudi in Saudi in the 2000s. <laughs> We heard of 50 Cent in 2004. Little do we know that there was someone brewing culture in 
you know, somewhere in Jeddah. Like that's that's not even like fathomable, you know. He's so important to the culture. Everybody looks up to this guy. Everybody looks up to this Yo, guy. Oh, Lucas, wow. Shout out to my my brothers. Yeah, man. I guess that's yeah, yeah right. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, man. Wow. What a wow, man. You you got me off guard right there, man. Like that's um Yo, I salute you for that, man. Uh, I'm not easily shaken up in the beginning, but whoa, uh, I'm, uh, yeah, man. I don't know what I what I think right now. So well, I might say things in this podcast that I've never said before. So it's it's a, it's a good thing that you did that. Good. I'm 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 glad. And the reason that I felt to do that because, like I said, like it's okay. It's one thing coming from me, a stranger, but when I saw you engaging and interacting just at that one event. I knew there was something different about you. There's something special about you. And when I heard this message today, I was like, I have to play this. My question to you is, I mean, you probably don't see yourself like that. I mean, you're you're so humble. You walk with such humility. Um, but do you feel this sense of responsibility to these guys and girls across the Khalij, across the the MENA region? Like, what is what is your sense? Like, as you walk in these shoes, how do you view that landscape in, in your role in it all? Yeah, man. Um, sorry, just getting emotional a little bit right here. Um, thank you so much for that, man. I um, Actually, I don't see myself like that at all. And this is one of the things, especially this year, I just crossed 40. And, you know, whether it's my one and only or, you know, very close friends of mine who are artists, they tell me you really got to, you know, give yourself a like a tap on the back. You really got to know what you'd be able to do. But I never really, it's never in my even radar to think me first before an artist. Mm-hmm. So for me, it's never been like this. And I think the reason for that, to be honest with you, Lucas, um, when I, when this whole thing started for me, it started because it impacted my soul. It changed me as a person. So in 2007, when I got this mixtape from a guy called Wiro, who just came in from Montreal with a mixtape that has like, you know, Arab MCs like Narsi and Omar Fendim, and they were spitting truth. And, 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 and I'm like, why are these songs not on the radio? I was a different kind of Hassan. And then after I heard this mixtape, I changed automatically. I became How someone did you else. Change? Like what, what was it? What was it that triggered in you? Yeah. I mean, that's a good question. Um, See, in, in Arabia, and if, if, if anyone who's Arab listening to us right now, they would know that 99.9999% of the music that we have is about love, you love me, you cheated on me, you miss me. This is the kind of topics. Mm-hmm. When I heard these guys talking about, yes, there were some politics, social issues, community issues. You hear some poetry. You, 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 hear, you hear a legendary poet like Nizar Qabani, his poems being translated to English so that the West in America, for example, would know how legendary and historic and culture that we have. Mm. I felt that I felt the passion in the music, in the sampling that we use, um, that the producers used. It has affected me. I, I got to learn about Palestine from music. In Saudi Arabia, one of the most conservative countries in the world, they didn't really talk about Palestine really? at all. Not, not in the news, not in really? schools. I was in a, I was in a uh, obviously public school, Saudi public school. There was no English. I started learning English at the age of... Uh, 16. This is the first time I kind of learned English and I'll tell you the story, but um, that was what, that's, that's the thing that impacted me. So I was like, I changed as a person. And from that day on, I felt like I want everyone to feel what I felt. Mm. Hence why I'm like this. It was never to do like, Oh, you push artists, you, you host events, you make money. It's never, actually I've never really made money out of like anything. And this is again, another problem that rises up 
especially from people like Huss, you've been doing this for a while. You need to focus on you, on you, on you. But I never really seem to, to do that because I always say I'm a rock, step on me and get to the other side and so on. And I will go down and lift the other artist up and, and so on. If I can help, I will definitely help. And if, it's, I'm, if I'm impacted in that way, I'm impacted for the, the, the first time in 2007, I will always help. You, I can never push something I'm never impacted in. And that's also something a lot of people see, whoa. But yeah, yeah, but I mean, yes. to, to, you you said something there that you you view yourself view yourself as you know this rock that you can come underneath and support and lift up other artists and and that's what Ziad was saying, right? He was saying like he is like a foundation point. He said like you are a brewer of culture, right? A brewer of culture, and that you know every yeah, he's and it's flexing true. right there. You know, it's he's an so amazing true. poet. It's like <laughs> everyone is like everyone that I come in contact with you know, they look up to you. Like wow. you, you're not yes. just like a, a radio host that you're like, you know, big ups, I'm awesome. You know, like, look at me. Like, no, you're man, like, like, uh, you're like uh, pop a big, yeah. big heart, not big hoss. Oh man. <laughs> oh, much love, bro. I think, look, I think it just also comes from the way uh, my, my, uh, my father's, my mom also raised me. My father passed away really early. He didn't mm. know that I'm into blogging, hip hop and all that stuff. So I feel maybe somehow, some way not to get philosophical on you. Maybe I'm doing this just maybe for him. I have no idea mm. because he didn't know I'm into radio. I'm into podcasts. How, I did this and did that. You know? How old was he when, how old were you when he passed? Ah, um, 18. 18. Mm. So he, I mean, quick story right there. Again, I started learning English when I was 16. Before that, no English whatsoever. My dad one day walked in the house. Um, I had had an Afro. I was really, really big, like chubbier. And then he just looked at me out of nowhere. And in the Saudi dialect just told me, son, you're just getting fatter and stupider. Like, whoa, why? And he's like, there's no English. You're not, you don't know English. And English is the most important language in the world. We need to do something about it. And this is wow. where he moved us from Jeddah to Sharjah. And where this is where I studied in the, in, in the International School of Shui Fat. First time I see even like a, a girl in front of me. Like, so I'm at, the, I'm at the reception. I'm at the, you know, where no first day I see a girl without any, no any sort of abaya on. Yeah, it was a cultural shock, man, for me. It was wow. like, whoa, coming in from Jeddah started learning English, fell in love with two things, basketball and, and, and music generally. You know, I loved music. I'm listening to music every single day, every single hour of the day. Uh, got in love with basketball. Um, and that's how I got to learn English, you know? And uh, subhanAllah, I think that was very monumental um, in my being. I don't know how will I be if I stayed there in Saudi Arabia in a private school and the English there was really terrible. So, and as a Saudi Arabian, by the way, as, as a citizen of Saudi Arabia, you were not allowed to join an international school back then. They changed the rules right now. Really? So I couldn't join an American school or, or, or an international school or a British school because I was Saudi, you know? So I had to stick with the public school. So in some ways, it, do you feel this responsibility uh, if responsibility is the right word, this 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 level of gratitude and thankfulness to your dad for, you know, I'm I'm not a hip hop, I mean I'm not a rapper, but I'm gonna say this anyways, just because we're we're here, but for like spitting bars of truth, right? Right? He like spat bars of truth at you and you're like, yo, look, like you're unhealthy. You need to get yeah. you need you need English. Like if you don't have English, you're not gonna succeed in the world. Hmm. And he didn't just leave it there, but he did something about it. He 
uprooted his entire family. He moved to to Sharjah to the place where I mean, if you had culture shock, I mean, I'm sure like there's a level of culture shock for yeah. them, right? Yeah, yeah. No, I I actually agree with that. I I'm, I've never seen it in that perspective. So thanks a lot for putting it back there. Yeah, I think you know he did, and we were we had really one of the best, amazing you know talks in Sharjah. We used to walk after dinner. He used to love to play ping pong. We used to be very competitive. Um, but yeah, these, t- these walks, I always remember, and it was not, it was life, life topics, you know, life talks. So like, you know, even how to, how, how to do, how to be yourself, how to, how to speak to women, how mm. to respect women, how to, because, you know, we have a sister and how important it is to, you know, shower her with love and respect and how important to keep that in, um, you know, and, and, and generally to, to believe in yourself, family first, and all these things were in these kind of walks that happened. And back then, again, there was no blog, there was no radio, nothing. I was not aware of all these things until that moment happened in 2007 that woke all these kind of emotions in me. And I started a blog called Revolt in Saudi Arabia. Imagine Revolt in Saudi Arabia. <laughs> but um, I was revolting against anything mindless, man. Like I was revolting against the mm. stupidness of, of, of mm. uh, you know, of the songs that we hear. And it was not anything political. Actually, revolt means two kind of, it's a combination of two words revolution because I wanted to revolt against, you know, everything that's going on and voltage. Cause it's one of my dreams to own a radio station. So I thought wow. voltage, Oh wow. Radio station revolt. Yeah. I love it. Do you, do you going back to that philosophical, philosophical, you know, moment, I mean, even of your dad teaching, you know, you know, going back to this, just even this, this message from Zayed, like, do you feel like this generation is missing what you got from your father that you got, you know, long talks with your dad, you know, in teaching you playing ping pong with you, you know, pouring into your life, teaching you, you know, how to be a man, how to, you know, care for your sisters, how to respect and love women, how to, how to get your life in order when your life is out of order, how to, how to stand up. Do you feel like, um, mm. you know, you're interacting with, with so many um, you know, young, young millennials, you know, Generation Z on a day in day out basis, do you find yourself coming back to these conversations with them in almost this like mentorship, you know, uncle, father sort of position with them? <laughs> um, it's interesting you say that there, there's a lot of people that, that see me that way. And I'm very, very honored, but there's nothing, no, nothing in the world that would take the place of a parent. Mm. And regardless of what we would never know, like I would never be able to know what goes on in the house, regardless of how close I am with, with the person at the end of the day, like the relationship is, is an artist. Yes, I do have artists who I'm closer with than other artists because of the vibe that we, we feel. But, but just to answer your question, I think that it's, um, I think it, it is somehow also related to social media, you know, like mm. somehow, somewhere. I know it's very cheesy to say that, but true, because though. back then we should, we, 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 you know, we have dinner like at a table. Yeah. Like right now, I don't remember the last time we, we yeah. did that. And it's, uh, sitting on the table, dinner time or, or lunchtime or, you know, ping pong time. It's always been with the family. And because maybe we were very new to school, I was actually a little bit bullied at school because I didn't know English. And I was kind of, we were put in a class called the full special class. And that class had, you know, some Iranians, uh, some Chinese, um, Russians. Um, and, and we were all in the same thing. We didn't speak English. So they put us in a class. And our time table, our time kind of in school was different. So when we go out uh, for recess or something like that, um, you know, we used to actually get made fun of a lot, 
a lot. Um, I'm one of them, you know, like a lot of people would make fun of me, no English at all. But, you know, I, I battled that. I used that. I came back and uh, used basketball and hip hop. And I think, look at me right now. So if you're one of those people, hey, look at me right now, my brother. And, oh, sister, who, who, who did whatever you did. Yeah, but alhamdulillah, man. I always say alhamdulillah. But um, I just think, man, um, you know, like, I don't think that the young guys really realize how important parents are. Mm. And I've had this discussion way even back in the day where a friend of mine used to rely on his, you know, father's money a lot of times and just always, you know, take money from his dad. And I used to always say, he was like 10 years younger than me. And I said, please find a job, work, work. Don't, don't underestimate that. Don't. Yeah. So, um, you just gotta be blessed that they're on your life, you know, and that's very, very, I think very important. Yeah, family and parents, uh, such a such a blessing. And I mean, you answered that question so wisely in that we can't we can't make these broad sweeping assumptions of what's going on or judgments against a parent necessarily. Um, and and we can't replace we can't replace our parent. Like we can't replace that that role that they've had in our lives. We can look to other role models, but really, it's you know foundational. It's, it doesn't start at. 15, 16, 22, it starts at six months, you know, six years, you know, that whole six months to six years time period, you know, that's where all of this, this identity is really being laid. And you you bring up a, a, you know, obvious, but very valid point about social media and which, which leads me into the question that actually got us here today. Um, I was asked a question last week by one of my followers. Mm-hmm. about hip hop and I'm going to play it for you in a moment. I'm going to thought like okay, well, you know, I can give I can pontificate on, you know, <laughs> what I think and do a lot of research and he'll come out with like a great answer, but that's where I was like, you know what? I think this is this is the moment to sit down and talk with you and I've been wanting to talk with you for probably Bless. 6 or 8 months and I have a question yeah. that has probably been burning on my heart for six months that it's going to be at the very end of the show that I'm going to ask you, but I'm going to leave you hanging for that. But here's this next question that um, I want to ask you. Mm. Hi, I am Fahad Nasser Kweti. I'll talk about the rap industry and the hip hop industry. Why does the rap and hip hop industry is influenced by gangster? You know, they, the artists show drugs, women, sexism, everything bad is showed. Many artists die because of drug overdose or but get killed by uh, like uh, another gangsters, and you will show. I will show you an example in the future, like six nine, we will get killed by another gangster because he snitch too much, and you can see like a perfect example of the rap industry of six nine. Hey. Wow. Um, okay. First of all, a big up to, uh, to the brother, of course. Um, okay. So in order for me to answer this question, I just have to kind of give you a little bit, kind of quick, brief. Or, or just for 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 the audience, what what is hip hop? Like what yeah. what is it? Right, right. It's this yeah. culture that started in the early seventies in the Bronx, right? Like this is uh, what it is, and uh, it's a voice of the voiceless. You know, it started off with a guy called DJ Cool Herc. He's actually he was doing a party for his sister. Figure it out that you can loop. You know, I'm not gonna get into the technicalities of it. But, you know, you can like, loop a song, make it longer, um, make the part where there's no singing longer so people can dance longer because this is where he noticed that people are the happiest the most when there's no lyrics in the music. This is where hip hop created, uh, was created. And hip hop is not only just rap. It is like the four elements, the main ones, which is, of course, DJing. The number one element is DJing. Right. Um, graffiti, breaking, 
um, and rap. And the fifth element that KRS One says always the legendary KRS is knowledge. So that being said, now this is how hip hop kind of started. And in the seventies, eighties, nineties, like when you know, like you had cats like you know uh, Nas, and you got KRS One, and you had uh, you know uh, Public Enemy, you got Rakim. There was a sense of like, wow, you had that conscious, cool rap. But at the same time, you had De La Soul who rapped about girls and having fun and flirting, but in a classy way. Mm. I think the best way I can give it to you is uh, there's, a br- there, there's a rapper that I really love and respect. He's actually one of my heroes. And I really urge you and your audience to listen to him. His name is Brother Ali. He's a rapper from America. He's albino. He's Muslim. Uh, and he is just authentic. Every single song is epic for me. Wow. So he said something, something along the lines that we're like back in any meal course, like when you go to a restaurant, there is like the, the what do you call it? The first meal? Uh, Entre- the, uh, was it starter? Entree. The entree is the main meal. Right? Yeah. Entre's starters. Main. And then there's the, the main course. And then there's the dessert, right? Right. So to answer this question to, to the brother who asked the, you know, the question right now, Right now, we're just listening to dessert. Mm. You're listening to dessert. That's the main thing. You're listening to, mm. you know, the, the dessert. You haven't listened. To, if you want to listen to the main course, you got to listen to the main course. But, but it's so hard to be found because the powers that may be are really putting this art. You really got to be digging right now to find it. The ones that are famous and the ones he's talking about, the drug killing, the, 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 the verification of like the pushing of that culture. Yes, it's out there. This is what gets the numbers. And actually, it's very interesting because just yesterday, May 20th, I interviewed Locksmith, who's just an yep. amazing rapper. Yep. He Great has a song called Famous. Yeah, Famous. Famous talks about exactly this, this, this question, Lucas. Like this, totally. I think like you, 100%. And he's talking about how social media is, how you have to be validated by your fans. So that's why people are going there because people see numbers and they people want to want to be always validated. But hip hop, real hip hop, if you want to say real or not, it exists. It's still there. Like you got cats like Talib Kuali, Yasin Bey, you know, was known as Mo Steph. So many. I, I, J. Cole and Kendrick Lamar, obviously young, but they're very kind of, you know, they're lyrically all in a different level. Um, and even you got D uh, smoke who won rhythm and flow on Netflix. He's a guy that's, I think have a lot of big, big potential future. So long story short to answer that is the powers that may be, they're focusing on this kind of hip hop and people think that this is hip hop. This is not hip hop. So, so I'm a guy who hosts a radio show and I've been told the N word to me. So there's a problem <laughs> with culture here. They don't, yeah. Some people don't understand culture anyway. Like, you know, I'm against that word. I'm against yep. it. I've been told by a rapper who's, a, who's an Arab rapper came to my studio. He's like, what's up, N-word? I'm like, don't say that. Like, you know, that's, that's absolutely wrong. So there's a problem with the culture, understanding the culture, and there's a problem of us consuming the music. And that's so, why hip hop is so funny. You've said that. I've, I've been called that here as well. I'm not a rapper, but people come up to me and say that. I'm like, I'm stuck for a long, like, where can That's I hide? Terrible. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, so, but what I hear you saying is one, there, there's, there's two things at play here. The first thing at play is that, that in many ways, hip hop is a reflection of people's experience within their subculture. So Truth. if, you know, cause there are, and I think you would probably agree with this, that there, you know, I, I am so bad at my hip hop, you know, but 
you know, hip, uh, Tupac, I think, Biggie, right? I think you know what you're saying, what you're about to say. Right, yeah, go Tupac, ahead. Biggie, right? There are these gang feuds. Like, there, there yes. is a lot of rape culture within hip-hop uh, mm-hmm. lyrics. There's a lot of, you know, talking about pimps and hoes and prostitution and devaluing and degrading the value of women. But, so that is there. And no one's arguing that that's there. And I think... You know, and I love that you 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 said this. You bring this up a lot in your content. Um, you brought it up with uh, Doctor Christopher uh, Emden, and then you also brought it up with <laughs> wow. uh, uh, what's his name? This guy did his own yesterday. Lock Locksmith. <laughs> you brought up with Locksmith too. Locksmith, you're like, hey, yeah. do you feel like we need to? You know, that you're always defending hip hop. And I was thinking about this, and I was thinking about it today, and and my 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 thought was. As you know, Dr. Christopher was saying, it's really it's people expressing their experience, and he used the word truth. I I don't like the word truth in that matter because I don't yeah. necessarily that think that our experiences are always true, right? Someone yeah. could be abused, and that is their experience, and they think that that is their truth, that that is mm. truth, but it's not, right? And and we see this in in most you know fairy tale child stories. You know, the the princess is stolen by a wicked witch she is brainwashed to believe that yeah. you know she's nothing but that is her experience but that's not the mm. truth of who she is right so yeah so yeah, people are seeing out of their experience but then but then people are attacking the music rather than saying oh here's a cry for help and and instead mm. of defending and instead of attacking and accusing these areas of culture isn't the the right response to be like, okay, how can we actually help and bring healing and wholeness to this area? That's point one. And then point two, what you're saying is that it is pop hip hop is pushing this to the surface, magnifying this one to 2% of what's really happening in hip hop culture. And what's really happening is underneath the layers of the skin and the, in the underground on radio shows like yours, um, where where people are actually deep in hip hop culture, that that is just a, a misconception and misdemeanor on what the hip hop culture truly is. Man, see, summed it up. You can write a book about hip hop, man, Mr. Lucas. Right? I don't now. know if I can write a I book. Know. No, I'm just no. I mean, jokes aside, really, I think you are. You you just summed it up seriously, and I think this is a, a the, one of the biggest problems that we have. In order for you to listen to good hip hop right now it might need you to research a little bit more. Mm. Maybe not looking at the Billboard Top 10 or whatever. No, just research a little bit more. Check out the, the blogs if you still check out the blogs. Just more research. Don't, don't be that person where you, you, you get fed everything that they give you. By day, I'm talking about the media. Right. Be that person that's curious about it. Why are they giving me this? Why is she famous? Why is he famous? Why, you know, just even to talk about the topics we're talking about, it. when, when, because this is the topic that always gets every single year they talk about it. Your top 50 MCs, who's your top five rappers or whatever, it's always. And it's always a male. It's always mm. males. Like it's always men. And it's, I, I think that's a big, big problem because, you know, like how come Queen Latifah is not there? How come MC Light are not there? Like there's so many, you know, female rappers who are just incredible. And we need to stop this segregation between male and female. Like she's a dope rapper period. Mm. Or he's a whack rapper, you know, period. Queen Latifah had a song called UNITY. This song is actually addressing this matter. She's saying in the song, like, who are you calling a B? Right. You know, the B word. 
You know, because I'm walking in the street, some people call me, who are you calling your B? And guess yeah. what? She says that fully. I don't like to use that word, but she said it fully. Guess what? They played this fully on the radio. It was played with the B word, not censored. Wow. You know? Yeah. Who are you calling a B? Who are you calling an H? You know? Done. And, and, and the way she's replying back, like, you and I, T-Y, we need to be united. We need to be one and we need to stop that. This is not hip hop. They played the full song uncensored on radio wow. back then. So just to show you how powerful, you know, message is, but they don't do that anymore. Now it's all about, you know, I, I keep saying hip hop is not booty shaking, but this is where a lot of people disagree with me. They say, yes, hip hop, you can party. I say, I still think you can party, but with class, you know, you don't need to degrade and go down to a level where it's like, you know, it's bad for the youth. Because I happen to believe, and it's my, my personal opinion, if you have a platform and mm. people are listening, mm. then guess what? It's a duty for you to spit some truth there and some positivity there mm. and some enlightenment for the kids. It's a duty. It's not something like you do, oh, it's an extra, it's an added value. It's a duty. And this is the difference between, you know, for example, me and, and, and many others in terms of, I get attacked because I say, that we need diversity. I'm like, okay, you got a big platform. Make sure. And this is what brother, brother Ali said. And actually DMC from Run DMC told me that. He's like, if you have an album that's 10 songs or 12 songs, make eight songs about party, but put at least one or two songs. You are just saying something. You, you, you know what I mean? So this is why, this is what's missing in our world. It's that balance. Yeah, a, a couple of, you know, thoughts fire off from this one. It's, you know, we need to pursue, and I, for, I just saw this today, I forgot who said it, someone really smart. Uh, we need to pursue not success, but virtue, right? We need Damn. to be people of virtue, not people of success. And, you know- Oh man, that's, repeat that again, bro. Virtue, just repeat that again. people of virtue, not success. And that's, I mean, that, that video by Locksmith, like, it's so offensive, but it is so true. And, and yeah. I think that is part of the, you know, when people have these accusations, you know, if, if you were to just glance over that video, you'd be like, I would never, I never want my kid to watch that or listen to that. But then we, <laughs> but I realized like, man, when I was 16, I was probably listening to that stuff like that too. But I'd want my kid to be listening to dope music, amazing lyrics, just like mm. it's gets stuck, like it's stuck, got stuck in my head the whole day, the B word and everything. I'm like, get out of my head. But, um, <laughs> but the yeah. message there of like, man, why are you pursuing all these numbers and just like yeah. throwing and, away and, your humanity to, cause we're as, as a generation and it's probably forever generation. It's not just ours. We're confused thinking that fame is love, thinking that being famous mm is being loved. And I think that's what we're all searching for. We're searching for love. It's interesting you say that. The other day, um, I got into this whole conversation with a friend of mine and we were talking about how famous people, how really amazing, incredible people don't have a lot of followers on, on Instagram or mm. Twitter. Like the producer of like, I don't know what X, like a big film. You go check his Instagram out or her Instagram and you'll find like they have a thousand follower or something like that. So again, what, why are we so hungry to be validated? By, by strangers? Why are we so hungry to be validated by people that don't care about us? Why are we so hungry to be, uh, you know, just, you know, like the, the number game. Now it's all about numbers, bro. It happened to me in front of my face, man. Mm. I'll tell you a quick story. 
It has nothing yeah. to do with hip hop. Yeah. It actually has to do with, with my one and only. So my, my wife is a plus size fashion blogger. Um, we were invited, this plus size model, she came from the States. She's a, you know, a really, really big star, Ashley Graham. I'm not sure if you're familiar with her, but she's a big, big name in the plus size community. And obviously she's there. We went to the event and there was a PR company and I'm trying to talk to the PR company. You know, I'm like, I'm just trying to, you know, tell, right. tell them about my wife because she's a blogger. I'm like, yo, check her out. Man, I made them check her out. And the first thing she said, oh, she has like a thousand followers. Not good. She didn't even read like plus size, blogger, movement, journalist. She didn't even read it, bro. Just the and number. She's a, she, number. <clears throat> and there were people there that do cakes, bro. Why would a person that do cake be involved in it? In, you know what I mean? Because they have you know, 1 million or 700,000. This is a big problem. And again, if you relate this to other kind of industries, like if your industry is podcasting and radio, why you want to get somebody that is into something else? I'm not saying disrespect. Just get somebody who's into that, who will benefit yeah. from interviewing, you know, I, I, I don't know, a, a, a Joe Rogan or whatever. I don't know. Like someone who's into podcasting will be, wow, epicness, you know? So I think that's very, very important. Yeah, you Going back to that, that whole thing of of identity, like that question of, you know, why why are we so hungry for the validation of others? And I want to flip that question around back to you. And I don't know if you have an answer for this. Why are you not hungry for the validation of others? Why are you, because why are you not hungry? Oh. Why have you decided mm. to be like, you know what, I don't need to self-promote. I want to build a platform for these kids. And, and because of that, maybe you don't have a hundred thousand followers. Maybe you're not, you know, pulling in the money, but you have every kid in the Khalij who's listening to hip hop. They look up to you. They Man. know who you are. They're listening wow. to you. They're, uh. they're paying attention to you. Why do you think that you have that level of, of security in your identity to not have to, you know, go and pawn yourself out to the, the next like. Yeah. No, I, thanks a lot for asking that question. I've never been asked that. I don't, I wasn't always like that though. That's the thing I learned throughout. It's like, you know, watching Kobe Bryant in the rest in peace for the first couple of three years, you know, shooting air bows in the, in the semifinals, just not being, you know, it's a maturity game. So you, you, I really got mature throughout. In the beginning, I was really into that. I was like, yo, how come I post a story or I post something? No one is checking it out. What's wrong with people? Why mm. they not? You, you know, it was there. But then you reach a level where people like, for example, you get a comment like Ziad. You, you go like, you're reaching people. Mm. Sometimes people don't need to hit you back. You're reaching people. But this, some sort, I call it tap it on the back, really keeps helping you and keep you moving. So for me, it's right now, it's not about, because it's never been about me. Like it's a platform that I started because I got impacted. And then now I want to use this platform to affect and impact other people to feel the same way I felt. And which is what? Which is music elevation. Music can elevate the mind. You can definitely, because man, listen, totally. um, I don't, I unfortunately don't read a lot. And although in Islam, the first word in the Quran Kareem was Iqra, which means read. And it was given in a, in an orderly way. You know, mm -hmm. like Iqra. Yeah. And unfortunately, I'm talking about myself. I don't read a lot. 
And it's a problem. I'm trying to really change that. I'm more of a, you know, I like to hear, I like to see things. And this is why I love music and I love to hear podcasts all the time. And that's why I say, you know, like we, we have to elevate and I can do that through music. And, mm. you know, there's a big debate in the Islamic region world uh, that music is forbidden, it's haram. And it's, in my opinion, you know, without getting into that, I'm not a scholar. I'm just saying that, you know, music can heal, music can push, music can... I remember the first time they introduced the phone with a camera in Saudi Arabia, they were saying it's forbidden because it's a camera. And then some people came like, you can use it for good, you can use it for bad. But right now, you can never find somebody, whoever you are, with a phone without a camera. Really, really rare, you know? Yeah. Um, so... Again, it's all evolution, man. I wasn't like that all the time. I definitely, definitely fell into this whole validation thing. But right now, not anymore. I actually look for people who are compassionate, people who actually stand by me, who feel what I feel. And that's what get me, you know? That's, Was there a triggering event that kicked you out of, out of that? Was there something that triggered that's like, I don't need that anymore? Huh. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. So I think it was 2015. And, uh, so at that point I did the show for, uh, three years or four years, Le Ship Hop. It wasn't going well in terms of like the numbers I'm talking about. Mm. You know, I wanted more numbers. I want to be valid. I've, I've, I've interviewed LL Cool J, Russell Simmons. Which is amazing. DJ Cool Herc. Yo, man, no, none of, yo, none of these guys got on any Arab radio at that point. Anyway, I was at a low point in my life when I went on Twitter and, I saw Chuck D, you know, we follow each other on Twitter and he's like heading to Beirut tomorrow to see my wife speak at the American University of Beirut. I'm like, what? I'm in Jeddah. Book a flight. Yeah. <laughs> Book a flight yeah. to Beirut. Yeah. And then he was sitting, obviously he was sitting with local rappers and producers in a cafe in Beirut. And um, man, wow, this is crazy. Just remembering. Uh, obviously we follow each other. So I DM'd him saying that I'm, I'm going to be there. He said, wow, that'd be great to see you and meet you. What happened was this, man. So imagine Chuck D, public enemy, um, sitting there with, with the group of producers, local Lebanese producers, they're talking. I walk in the cafe and man, he stands up and he's like, yo, Big Haas. At that point, if you look at the producers and, and rappers, they're like, huh, what the hell? How does Chuck D know Big Haas? Like, what are you talking about? They were like jaw dropping. We met and this is what changed my life, this point here. He hugged me really strong, man. He's like this. And he's a kind of a broad guy. And he's like, I see you, I see you struggle, keep fighting. Mm. I still remember how he said it. And at that point when he left me, he was like, what? This is the guy that says, fight the power that be. This is the guy, this is a public enemy. You know, one of the most strongest, you know, hip hop groups, not only hip hop ever. He's telling me to stick the course mm. and just, I see you. It's khalas. It's like, you know what? I'm doing something right. I need to continue because... Chuck D sees it, done. The, um, I mean, pushing forward, this person became Brother Ali. Brother Ali is someone who's very, very important to me. He always uses his faith to speak hip hop, to speak music, to speak life. And, um, you know, if you don't mind, Brother Lucas, he sent me, um, he sent me a shout out that I want to share with you uh, after, like I'll send you the shout yeah, out. Yeah. And I want you to play it because it's a shout out that I asked for my mixtape. And I called the guy, I told him, I just need 10 seconds shout out. Like mainly like, hey, this is brother Ali. You're now listening to the Al Jisr mixtape by Big Haas and DJ Lethos. Cause this is a drop. Man, he sent me a one minute kind of, kind of. Uh, Do you have it right now? 
Can you play it right now? I actually do. Assalamu alaikum world. This is Brother Ali from the Mighty Rhyme Sayers crew in Minneapolis, Minnesota, USA. In the mix right now with my brother, my dear friend, my hero, one of the most important DJs on earth, and the greatest dad alive, Big Haas. This is the Jissa mixtape. And Big Haas is who he is because his heart is large enough to incorporate the entirety of the hip-hop tradition and then also the Muslim world. Man, I, I love both of these examples, examples of how our words are powerful to have an impact on people's lives. And in both of these, you know, these guys, they took a couple minutes, a couple seconds of their life, of their day, and it had an, an, a profound impact on you, encouragement to you. And often we can be guilty of withholding affirmation, withholding encouragement, withholding love from from the people that we care about most around us. But we have to remember to to open up and be generous with our words, be generous with our encouragement because it can have a really deep impact on people's mm. lives. Now, because we have one more question actually from Ziad oh, wow. for, for, to end this segment with. Hey man, uh, it's Ziad. Um, my question for you is what do the artists of the region need to do to be more accessible to the general Middle Eastern public without losing their unique authenticity, without sounding like someone else. I think this goes really well with uh, the, the, the story you just told in that so often we're looking, we're looking for something else. So how, how would you feel that, that question? What a question, first of all. I think this is an ongoing topic. I'm very vocal about it. So again, it depends on the artist. And this is something I'm personally very vocal about, so I'm happy that I'm talking about this. Uh, if I come and say, be you, it's going to be like, hey, give me something else. Yeah, you got to be you, you got to be yourself. But mm. in order for you to hit the masses, right? Do your research, right? Who are the artists that are actually hitting the masses, right? If you're in a country like the UAE or the Khadij, and you're doing English music, you ain't hitting the masses. I don't care how good you are. It's true. I'm going to be very honest and blunt with you. It has nothing to do with talent. You know, it's masses, meaning mass, meaning the most popular or whatever it is. Like it's the, in the, the most of the population in, in Kuwait speak Arabic, you know? Yep. Do they know English? Yeah, but they speak Arabic. So that's number one. Yep. Now, so true. Just to, just to highlight that, if you happen to perform in English and you're Arab, I personally got no problem with you. But however, I will have a problem if you kind of forget that you're Arab totally. Meaning mm. you can put a little bit of that Arab flavor in your music instrumental wise in a beat. Make people feel in the way you dress when you perform in whatever. Make it, make it like that. Now, I've had plenty of conversations. One of them doesn't really get bigger than LL Cool J, who is like, he's not the actor. He is the rapper who says, mama said, knock you out. He is the rapper that co-started Def Jam Records, one of the biggest record labels yeah, in hip hop. Yeah. And he, he says, I don't want to hear an Arab rapper rapping in English. I want to hear an Arab rapper rapping in Arabic. Rep your culture. You guys have history. He's saying that, not me. Wow. There's a video clip of him saying wow. that. You got history. You it's got true. culture. Rep that culture, you know? Okay, <laughs> you know? So it's not about being open. It's about being, and that's how you impact. You know, that's how you, you do impact. Like a guy like Narsi was Iraqi, Iraqi Canadian, right? And so he raps mainly in English, 
but the production and the way he dresses, the way he vibes is, is so much, there's Arab. You feel like, oh, wow, this is Arab. This is, you know, this is Arab. Because, you know, one of the things I hate the most, and I'm using the word hate, is don't be ashamed of the culture, you know? And again, I'm not, I'm talking right now about Arabs who perform in English. Mm. Again, to answer Ziad's kind of question, I'll give you names. Aziz Maraka, a Jordanian artist from Jordan. This guy performs in, in Arabic. He's on his ukulele or guitar. He started off doing yeah. events, making events. And guess what? This guy goes on live right now. He gets 8,000 people on his live. It's amazing. 8,000. <laughs> no, I saw that clip that you just posted today about him and just brilliant music. It's just so good. Amazing, you know? And, and another guy, um, I, I think this is the guy you're talking about, Bukul Thum. That's something else. Bukul Thum is just another rapper. He's Syrian. He's a refugee in Holland performs mainly in Arabic, he was able to impact people because he's speaking mental health. Mm. He's doing it in Arabic. He's doing it with realness. So again, there's no proper answer to that. It's just incorporate your culture in your music. That's all I'm saying. That is great. And actually, that leads me to the next question that I have. But if you want to hear that question, you need to roll over to the second hour with Big Haas. And uh, so we'll see you over there at the second hour of the show. That is all for hour one of this conversation with Big Haas, but roll over to the next episode where we continue this conversation and man, it gets even better and even deeper. Also, if you ever have any questions about this episode, the next episode, or any of the previous episodes on the show, please WhatsApp your questions to me plus one two oh two nine two two zero two two zero what's at me i want to hear your questions and i want to answer them here on the show that is plus one two zero two nine two two zero two two zero